Thank you for tuning into Weathering the Storm podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. That's scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, our goal is to help us weather the storms of life by looking to and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. Here is your host, Drew Suttles. Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm so thankful that you've come back to to listen to more content. I hope that this podcast has been helpful. I hope it will continue to to be able to be spread out to many folks and and certainly appreciate you listening. Uh, If you're a new listener, I appreciate you joining today, but if you've been listening uh, throughout all of this podcast, not only this season, but the previous two seasons, I certainly appreciate you as well. But we are in season three of Weathering the Storm, and today we come to episode seven. You may recall in our last episode that we examined the example of Ruth. Ruth, who was able to weather the storm of loss, how she lost her her husband, her brother-in-law, her father-in-law, but how she stayed the course. She was there for her mother-in-law, Naomi and how the Lord provided for her. And so we noticed how she was able to weather the storm. And when we got to the end of the book of Ruth in chapter 4, we noticed that through uh, her and Boaz would come David. And that's the one that we want to discuss today, the example of David and how he was able to weather the storm. Before we dive into this, I do want to remind everyone that Weathering the Storm is now a part of the Scattered Abroad Network. If you haven't already, please go and like us on Facebook, find us and follow us on Instagram. And as always, we hope that you will pray for this effort that we can reach many souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this season, we are looking at examples of those who were able to weather the storm. And so hopefully by looking at all these biblical examples, we can be encouraged and make that application to our lives. You know, as we think about David, he was one who certainly had to weather a lot of storms. Uh, David is someone that, that I can relate to because I, I think about the ups and the downs uh, of his life. Of course, I, I would never reach the same rank or status that David did being the king that he was. But you think about him from such a humble beginning, you know, being a, a shepherd and being the youngest of all the brothers and being the son of Jesse and, and having Samuel come out. And remember God telling him, I'm looking at the heart. I want someone who's going to be after my heart. And that's who David was. We had that great victory recorded of David over Goliath. And we think about David as he grows, and we're able to kind of to kind of be with him and to see the ups and the downs. And certainly there were. And that's, that's one thing I love about the Bible. It doesn't sugarcoat it. It doesn't give you a one-sided story. It gives you the whole picture. And so the positives of David are recorded, but also some of his his low moments. But again, I think we can relate to David because he was a human being. He made mistakes. But the way that he responded is what makes the difference. And that's what we want to discuss today as we think about David weathering the storms of loss and disappointment as a consequence to his actions. If you have your Bibles with you and you're in a place where you can open them, I invite you to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is a, a very famous text. It's one that, that many of us 
have read many times, and we think about David, and this is when we read about his his demise, his downfall. In 2 Samuel 11, beginning there in verse 1, we read about what took place in the spring of the year, and it was the time and when kings would go out to battle. David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon, they besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. So David was not in the right place at the right time. He should have been out there in battle, but instead he remained at Jerusalem. And that's kind of where it all begins here. In verse 2, it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful to behold. David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba? Isn't she the wife of Uriah the Hittite? But David sent messengers, and he took her. She came to him, and he lay with her. She was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And then verse 5 says, The woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now you think about the just a few moments, and you think about being in the wrong place, you think about looking at the wrong thing, and it led to the wrong action. And that's exactly how sin takes place. James 1, 13 through 15 teaches us that. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we find that through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that's how sin comes about. Well, here's David. And he, as the king, is is in this position. But he understands and he hears that this is someone else's wife. And yet, he goes on and he sins. And so as we continue reading in this chapter, and even into chapter 12, we read about the consequences of his actions. David did something that we should never do. When he made a mistake, when he did what was wrong, he tried to do more wrong to cover it up. And that formula will never be successful. We know that that Uriah, the Hittite, as the text says, was the the husband of Bathsheba. And what did David have done? Well, he wanted to bring Uriah home. Hey, go home and lay with your wife. And that way, when everyone finds out she's pregnant, oh, that's because Uriah came home. David was trying to cover up his sin. Well, when that didn't work out, what did he do? He put Uriah on the front lines, and Uriah was killed in battle. So we look to David. He has sinned because he committed adultery, and he has sinned because he put Uriah on the front lines, thus being responsible for the the murder of Uriah the Hittite. An adulterer and a murderer. That's what we have with David as we read this text. And we stop right there, and we're reminded this was a man who made mistakes. He was a human being, and yet the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. I do think that we can find some encouragement in going through this example. But as we think about him and and what he had to to weather here, and as far as the storm is concerned, imagine having to sit back and think about what you've done and to see the horrible consequences, to see everything that's unfolded. But then at least... You, you can try to make a positive and move forward because now you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. But the son that is born, of course, is to Bathsheba, 
And they had no business having that child together because she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So when you come to chapter 12, we have Nathan the prophet. And and he comes, of course, and he gives him a parable. And there we have recorded David's confession. In verse 13 of chapter 12, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, there's going to be some consequences because what you've done. Because by this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. David not only had to to feel the guilt of his sin, but because of his sin, because of his actions, now an innocent child is going to die. We continue reading there in verse 15. It says, The Lord struck the child that Uriah, Uriah's wife bore to David. It became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And here's someone who is really feeling the effects of sin, the consequences of sin. You continue reading through this chapter, and we read about David finally rising from the ground, washing and anointing himself, changing his clothes, and going to worship the Lord. He came to this realization, this resolve, if you will, that he had done wrong, and he had to move forward. And because of that, the Lord would bless him moving on. There's so much that we could discuss here with David and so much that we can take from this example And as we think about the different storms that he faced, again, we think about loss. He lost his integrity. You know, this is a man who who has now slept with a a woman who was not his wife. He had no right to do that. What about his loss of integrity in, in regards to Uriah the Hittite? But not only did he lose his integrity, he lost his joy. He lost a son. From a physical standpoint, this joy would be lost, but... Think about from the spiritual. He lost the joy of his salvation. You may say, well, how do you know that? We know that from Psalm 51. So I want to ask you, if you will, to leave 2 Samuel 11 and go with me to Psalm 51. As we bring out some points of application to us, what do we do when we are weighed down, when we are bogged down with the consequences of our sin? How do we move on? How do we approach how that, that awful feeling? that we give in to sin and we have to bear those consequences. What do we do when that happens? Here we have this example of David. And if we can weather the storm like he did, I believe we can really be encouraged by it. In Psalm 51, we find out what we are to do as Christians when we are deeply hurt by our sin, by our actions, and the consequences seem too much to bear. In the first place, notice with me, that when we are striving to weather the storm of loss and disappointment as a consequence of our sinful actions, we need to take responsibility. Take responsibility. Look at verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 51. David says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin." For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. 
Did you notice that David didn't try to blame anyone else? He didn't try to blame Bathsheba. He didn't try to blame uh, Joab. He didn't try to blame anyone else. He took responsibility. That's the first step if we're going to be able to move forward and handle sin the right way. In the second place, notice what David did and what we need to do. After we take responsibility, we need to seek restoration. Seek restoration, verses 7 through 12. David calls on God. He says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now notice verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. See, he needed that joy restored, didn't he? He needed that confirmation. He needed to know that, yes, he had made mistakes. Yes, he was facing these consequences. But he needed that reassurance that he was going to be forgiven and he could move forward. And as Christians, we need that as well. Thanks be to God with his grace, his long-suffering, his mercy, as we meet the conditions he sets forth, we can be forgiven and our joy can be restored. Third and finally, when we are deeply hurt by our sins and the consequences that come with that, not only must we take responsibility and seek restoration, but we need to feel the relief. Feel the relief. When God says he's going to forgive you, he means it. And we need to take that and be thankful for it and move forward. You see, David knew that what God desired. He knew what he wanted, and, and he knew what he had to do to make things right. He was willing to do so. And again, God's compassion, God's mercy is on full display in Psalm 51. In verses 14 through 17, David says, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, and my tongue shall sing aloud your righteousness. Here's, the, here's what he's going to do. When he knows he can have that relief, that restoration, because of what God's willing to do for him and, and, and by his meeting those conditions, he's going to go out and he's going to make the changes he needs to make. I'm going to tell others about your love. I'm going to tell others about your mercy and your compassion. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. In other words, when we humbly come to God, recognizing what we've done and asking for that forgiveness and seeking that restoration, God will provide it when we meet those conditions as Christians. As we bring this episode to a close, we think about David, and, and this is just a small portion of what he went through in this life, one of the many storms that he faced. But when he was bogged down, when he was weighed down with the consequences of, of guilt, the consequences of, of his sin, here's how he responded. Here's how he weathered the storm, and we can take heart in doing the same thing. He went to the right source. He found the right solution, and he met the conditions of restoring the joy of his salvation. As Christians, those of us who have been washed by the precious blood of Jesus when we were baptized into Christ, Acts 2.38, Acts 22.16, Revelation 1.5, and a host of other passages, we are in fellowship with God. And 1 John 1.7-9 says that as long as we keep on walking in the light, walking in harmony with the will of God. The blood of Jesus Christ will keep on cleansing us from all of our sin. 
When we become Christians, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be tempted. It doesn't mean that we're not going to sin. But when we do sin, when we do mess up, we need to handle it the way that God wants us to handle it. Confess our faults to Him. Be humble about it. Truly repent. And like David, we can have our joy restored and we can move forward. I hope and pray that this episode will help you. Maybe you're weathering this storm right now. Maybe you have all kinds of guilt on you. Maybe you're feeling the consequences of your actions. Again, I hope this will help you to move forward. We can weather the storm like David and hopefully be able to to make the changes we need to make moving forward that will make us better, make us stronger, ultimately make us more like Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. Again, I hope it's been helpful. And may God bless you as you weather the storm. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.